again, everyone. This is Nurse Mo, and welcome back to the Straight A Nursing Podcast. How is everybody today? I hope that wherever you are, the weather is amazing, and you can get on your tennis shoes and go outside for a nice stroll in nature. So if you can do that, that would be great. If not, let's get something done around the house while we listen. Maybe we can clean out the pantry. Maybe we can fold the laundry, organize a closet, do something that makes us feel like we have control of our life at home. Because I know when you're in nursing school, it's really easy for those things to just get out of control. And then that adds to the chaos and it adds to the stress. So anytime I can kind of get those things back on track, I feel like I have so much more mental space, mental clarity, and less stress. And I can just focus on my studies. So that's the deal. If you're commuting, I will allow that as well. But please don't just sit at your desk, okay? That's not good for us. We sit way too much as it is. So try to be up and moving around if you possibly can. Okay, though I do know some of you listen at night when you're in bed, and I hope I am helping you fall asleep and having beautiful nursing dreams, okay? I will not take it personally if my voice lulls you to sleep. Um, I consider that a compliment, okay, because I also listen to podcasts while I am trying to fall asleep. So today we are talking uh, about maternal newborn and we'll be diving into torch infections, which is a group of infections that we see passed from mom to baby, the common ones. But before we get into that, as always, I want to do a quick listener shout out to someone who used, uh, who signed off on their podcast review as AGB234. And AGB says, don't knock it till you try it. I enjoyed her book, Nursing School Thrive Guide, and recently have put more effort to make time to listen to Nurse Mo's podcast, and I'm so enjoying it. I'm currently doing my prereqs for nursing school, and I feel excited to try nursing school the straight A nursing way this fall. Nurse Mo is so knowledgeable and easy to understand and listen to. I really like getting to learn about nursing and how to be one before I'm even in nursing school. She is awesome. And if you're really missing out, if you don't listen, so what are you waiting for? Okay, AGB, thank you so much for that. If I'm reading this uh, shout out in time with your review, I think you're starting nursing school this fall, coming up in the fall of 2020. So I just want to wish you the very best of luck. And I hope that you do amazing. And I kind of know that you will. Okay, so let's dive into torch infections, you guys. Um, Let me just pull up my document with that in it. And we will get going. So torch infections, these are infections that are caused by pathogens transmitted from mom to baby. And this is either during um, pregnancy or during delivery. So when a pathogen is shared from mom to baby, and that's either via the placenta, that can be through the birth canal, then we call this a vertical transmission. The acronym TORCH, so it's an acronym, by the way, I should have mentioned that, 
torch represents the com- the pathogens that cause these congenital infections. So T stands for toxoplasma gone D. Is it gone D or gone die? I'm not really sure, but toxoplasmosis, basically. The condition is toxoplasmosis. Um, other, so this is where torch infections get um, frustrating because there's a whole acronym for other. And the common ones in the other category are syphilis, listeria, varicella zoster, and parvovirus. The R in torch infection stands for rubella. C is for cytomegalovirus or CMV. And then the H is for herpes simplex virus or HSV. So the reason we care so much about these torch infections is that they can really cause a lot of problems for the fetus and for the baby. So for the fetus, it can cause a spontaneous abortion, which is the medical term for a miscarriage. It can cause intrauterine growth restriction, IUGR is how you may see that abbreviated. And it can cause preterm birth. And then the babies can have all kinds of problems. It's so sad. So they can have um, skeletal deformities, um, central nervous system problems, sometimes very severe. They can have hearing loss, be uh, be blinded by this. They can have endocrine disorders, even, even severe cardiac defects that can cause um, significant morbidity and mortality. So let's take a look at each one of these in a little bit more detail. Okay, so T, again, toxoplasmosis is the condition that we're looking at there. So the highest risk um, of toxoplasmosis being passed on to the baby is if it's contracted in the third trimester. But it's important to note that if mom does contract it earlier in pregnancy um, and the baby does get it, then the outcome is going to be worse for the little one. It could even result in a spontaneous abortion or a stillbirth. So babies that do survive um, this toxoplasmosis infection often have pretty, pretty serious problems. So they could have seizure disorders. They could have very severe eye infections that lead to blindness. And they could have an enlarged liver and spleen, which is called hepatosplenomegaly, so big liver, big spleen. Some babies will um, only show signs of infection later, and these babies might develop, um, might show that they have significant mental impairments. They may show that they have hearing loss. Some classical features are something called a blueberry muffin rash, which is um, petechiae and purpura um, together. They may also have hydrocephalus. They could have intracranial calcifications and chorioretinitis. That's a tough one to say. You guys should even try spelling it even. I could barely spell this one. Chorioretinitis, which is inflammation of the choroid and retina of the eye. And then... Um, so I mentioned petechiae a moment ago in purpura. Uh, just remember that petechiae are those small flat lesions that are caused by capillary bleeding under the skin. And then purpura are those larger, sometimes raised lesions that are caused by bleeding within, within the skin. Okay, So petechiae purpura, that blueberry muffin rash. Or blueberry, yeah, it's called a rash. Though toxoplasmosis is treatable in both mom and baby, um, 
the best course of action, and you'll see that with all of these, the best course of action is to just prevent it from happening in the first place. So moms can lower their risk of contracting toxoplasmosis by avoiding things like raw or undercooked meats and by avoiding handling cat feces, which would mean not cleaning the litter box and probably avoiding gardening if they do work in the garden, you know, because cats can just go wherever, um, wearing gloves when they do that. But if it was me, I think I would just stand down from all of that just to be safe. And I think that's all you need to know about toxoplasmosis. I do recall a very interesting podcast. I don't know if you guys listen to the Stuff You Should Know podcast. It is so good. And they have one about toxoplasmosis if you're interested in this infection. And I'm hoping I'm remembering this correctly. But when a rat gets toxoplasmosis, it makes them not afraid of cats. I don't, I don't know. You have to listen to the episode. It was fascinating. Um, so if you're interested in toxoplasmosis in um, rats, then go listen to that episode. It's called uh, Stuff You Should Know is the name of the podcast. And they have hundreds of episodes, but I bet you can do a search on their website and find out which one it is. It was so interesting. Okay, so other, again, a broad category in the torch infection. So we're looking at varicella zoster, we're looking at syphilis, we're looking at parvovirus, and uh, listeriosis as some of the common ones that are grouped into this other category. So let's talk about varicella zoster, which is the condition that causes chicken pox, right? Chicken pox and shingles. So congenital varicella syndrome is the condition that occurs in the infant when mom has varicella zoster infection during her pregnancy. So these infants are often born at a very low birth weight um, because of that either premature birth or that intrauterine growth restriction that we talked about. They also tend to have um, thickened red areas of the skin. That's a common sign. The limbs could be underdeveloped, which is uh, called a hypoplastic limbs, and they could have central nervous system abnormalities as well. So can you imagine what the best prevention for this disease is? It's obviously for mom to not get a varicella zoster and be immunized prior to getting pregnant. So if mom is already pregnant, then varicella zoster immunoglobulin, VZIG, is given as soon as possible after she's exposed. And then once the baby is born, he's going to get VZIG right away. And I believe that some patients will also get a cyclovir, which is an antiviral medication. So let's move on and talk about syphilis, which is another one in that other category. So congenital syphilis occurs when the infection, again, is passed from mom to baby and that's in utero. And the symptoms may not appear right away. So babies with congenital syphilis, they may have symptoms that appear weeks later or years later. So some of the more serious consequences of syphilis in children are aseptic meningitis, 
They could have anemia. They could have that hepatosplenomegaly, which again is that large liver, large spleen. They could have um, intellectual delays. They could have skeletal abnormalities, vision problems, facial deformities, and even deafness. So pretty serious, significant uh, consequences of syphilis for the baby. So the treatment for this is both prenatally and after the child is born. Okay, so parvovirus is, I used to just think parvovirus was something that happened in dogs, and I don't know why. I think, I actually have no idea why I thought that, but um, it is actually um, something that can occur in neonates as one of these torch infections in the other category. And in neonates, it can cause aplastic anemia. It can cause fetal demise. And hydrops fatalis, which is, um, that's abnormal fluid collection that is uh, in the neonate, like that would be like ascites, pericardial effusions, or pleural effusions. So fluid accumulating in places where it shouldn't be. In utero, it can cause placental edema and or polyhydramnios. Intrauterine anemia can be so, so severe in these little ones that the fetus requires a blood transfusion. So the best way to prevent parvovirus, and that also goes by the name fifth disease, by the way, is through good hand hygiene and not sharing any food or drink with anybody else and avoiding close contact, obviously, with individuals who are sick. So the last one we'll talk about in that other category is listeriosis. And though this isn't very common, it can cause serious sepsis and meningitis in neonates as well as spontaneous abortion and preterm birth. It's treated with antibiotics and prevented by mom avoiding any unpasteurized dairy or deli meats. Okay, so let's move on to R in TORCH, which is for rubella. So congenital rubella syndrome occurs in infants when mom is infected with the rubella virus during pregnancy. So this one's pretty serious, you guys. It can cause spontaneous abortion. It can cause stillbirth and severe, severe birth defects, including developmental delay, congenital heart disease. It can cause hearing impairments. It can cause really severe cataracts in baby. There is no cure for rubella, also known as German measles, by the way. So again, the best plan is for mom to not get it, um, and that is by getting a pre-pregnancy immunization, and that has to be done at least three months prior to conception. So babies that are born with rubella are very infectious and must be placed in isolation. So I was talking to a neonatal ICU nurse who said that they can't be around non-immunized people for up to a year because they can shed the virus for months and months. So that's pretty significant. And um, the other thing is that, you know, these babies can be very, very sick. And they can also have that blueberry muffin rash that we talked about with the, was that with the toxoplasmosis? I believe we talked about that with the toxoplasmosis. So you could see it in the baby with rubella as well. Um, and also 
um, you know, significant heart defects, significant heart problems. So it's a very serious infection and definitely mom needs to be immunized. So I can pretty much guarantee that a test question will be about the immunization. And the factor that you will need to know is that it's three months prior to getting pregnant. Okay, and then also that baby will need to be isolated after um, they are born because they are infected and this is a highly contagious disease. Okay, the C in the torch infection is cytomegalovirus, which is usually called CMV, I think because it's just easier to say. So again, this is another one where severe cases can cause uh, really awful things to happen like fetal demise, though it's important to know that most infections are mild and not serious enough to cause significant problems for the baby. Um, the problems can be present at birth or they can develop later on in infancy or in childhood. So if an infant is showing signs at birth, these could often be microcephaly, this could be jaundice, baby could also have a rash, again that hepatosplenomegaly, seizures, retinitis, and low birth weight. So a lot of problems that they could have. A long-term um, health issues for this child that they could have are hearing and vision loss or one or the other. They could have seizure disorders that affect them their whole life and developmental and motor delays. So CMV or cytomegalovirus is treated with antivirals such as gancyclovir and supportive care for the infant. As with many of the other neonatal infections, again, that best prevention is, um, you know, not there's not a vaccine for this one, but mom can avoid it through good hygiene, especially good hand hygiene, frequent hand washing, and not being around individuals who are sick or being in environments that are high risk for contamination, such as schools um, where there are a lot of children running about. Uh, CMV is shared person to person through body fluids such as saliva, urine, semen, breast milk, blood, tears. So it's in a lot of stuff, really contagious. And then we'll look at the last one in our torch infections, which is the herpes simplex virus. And this one's most often passed from mom to baby during vaginal birth. So that will probably be a test question for you guys. Um, it can be... Um, transmitted by traveling through amniotic membranes that are ruptured and maybe even some that aren't. But for the most part, you're going to see it transmitted from mom to baby during vaginal birth. So what they'll do is they'll have these moms, if they have an active or recent genital infection, they'll have them have a C-section instead. So that would probably be a good test question for you to, to have on one of your uh, maternal newborn exams. So if the infant does contract congenital herpes simplex virus, about 45% of the cases are going to be limited to the skin, eyes, or mouth, and that's referred to as SEM disease, S-E-M disease, skin, eyes, mouth, though it can also affect organs like the liver, it can affect the lungs, and it can affect the central nervous system, um, causing like a meningitis. So the treatment for this is typically acyclovir, which is, again, an antiviral medication and also providing supportive care to the little one. So we've talked about each of the torch infections a little bit. Let's laser focus in on the key factors that are most likely to be exam questions for you guys. So um, T-O-R-C-H-T, Toxoplasma gondii. 
or Gondai, I'm not sure how to say it, but the disease that it causes is called toxoplasmosis. So the key with this one is it's contracted by consuming raw or undercooked meats and often found in cat feces. So mom needs to avoid the litter box and probably not be gardening in a, you know, a garden bed that could have cat feces in it. Other, that's going to be syphilis, listeria, varicella zoster, parvovirus. Those are the common others that you'll see. Rubella, for this one, the key factors are babies going to be highly uh, contagious, need to be isolated, could shed virus for months. And if mom's going to be vaccinated, it's three months prior to getting pregnant. The C is for cytomegalovirus or CMV. The key thing there is that it's transmitted through body fluids. It's transmitted through those droplets. And then herpes simplex virus. We want to remember that mom will get a C-section if she's had a recent or has an active genital infection. So I hope this helps you guys um, know a little bit about these congenital infections, these vertical infections from mom to baby. And I know you really like doing pod quiz at the end of some of these. So let's do a few pod quiz. So what does the R in torch infection stand for? You are correct. That is rubella. What is rubella also known as? German measles, very good. What condition or disease um, is the T in torch infection? Very good, that's toxoplasmosis. And what are two ways mom could avoid getting the toxoplasmosis infection? Very good, so she wants to avoid touching the litter box, staying away from the cat poo, and avoiding raw or undercooked meats. Excellent. Okay, so we talked about the blueberry muffin rash. What are the two components of the blueberry muffin rash? That was petechiae and purpura. Very, very good. You guys are crushing this. Okay, what are the four common ones in the other category? Do you remember those? So we have syphilis, we have listeria, we have varicella zoster, and parvovirus. Okay, very good. So what about... Let's see, what is the birth plan for a mom who has an active herpes genital infection? Yes, she is buying herself a C-section. Very, very good. Okay, you guys, I think you've got the basics down for torch infections. I think you're going to do fabulous, by the way, on your exams. And I just want to remind you guys that Crucial Concepts is open. If you're listening to this podcast when it is uh, published on July 16th, 2020, Crucial Concepts is open with early bird pricing right now and early bird, you know, all the goodies. So if you want to get in on that, get on that straight away. And if you're on the waiting list, you should have gotten an email. So check your spam folder, check your promotions folder 
for that. And then I also wanted to let you know that we also have our planners for sale and those start in July. So grab one now. We have digital ones and then we have printable ones. So if you don't know about the printable ones, um, they're fantastic. You could print it at home, save yourself a ton of cash, or I know a place that will print it, bind it, laminate it for you, extremely reasonably priced. And then we also have digital for those paperless people that I envy so much. I'm trying so hard to become paperless, but it's it's a challenge, let me tell you. But some people are super good at it. And one of the ways to get there is to use a digital planner with good notes or notability or something like that. So I'm super excited about the planners having that capability. So I wanted to let you know about that. I will link to both of those things, Crucial Concepts Bootcamp and the planners in the show notes. And you can get those links by going to straightanursingstudent.com forward slash 110 because this is episode 110. And speaking of episodes, next week is... What are we talking about next week? Let me look. I wrote it down in a different spot than I normally do. Oh, yeah. So next week's episode is five things to do if you're starting nursing school in the next few months or the next few weeks. So we'll be talking about that next week. I will see you back here then for that. Take care, you guys. Have a great week. This podcast is brought to you by Straight A Nursing. Nursing.